Section 7 of 14 Months in American Bastilles by Francis Key Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. To the course of our own representatives in Congress, we looked with great anxiety. I must frankly say that we did expect them to take ground publicly against the usurpations of the President. We cared less, far less, about any private effort on their part to extricate us from the situation in which we were placed, than we did for some outspoken vindication of the rights of the State of Maryland, some open denunciation of the wrongs which had been done her people. Under the influence of these feelings, I wrote to two of the representatives of our State, Mr. May, of the House, and Mr. Pierce, of the Senate. I had heard that Mr. May desired to comment, in his place, upon the course of the government, but was restrained by the conviction that our chances of release would be thereby damaged. I accordingly wrote to him, Fort Warren, January 11th, 1862. Dear Sir, It has been reported here that you have hitherto refrained from expressing, in Congress, your views upon the situation of Maryland, lest any public effort to aid or vindicate us should result to our disadvantage. As I am one of the parties interested, permit me to assure you that I desire no such consideration for me to influence any man's course. On the contrary, I conceive it to be the duty of each and every citizen of Maryland, at all times and in all places, to lift up his voice against the arbitrary proceedings of the administration, and to denounce the wrongs done us, be the consequences what they may. At all events, allow me to say that I shall never be the one to complain of such a course on your part, however severely it may be visited on me by those in power. I write this because, having heard the rumor in question, I desire to make my own position perfectly clear. Respectfully, yours, F. K. Howard. Honorable Henry May, Washington, D.C. To this letter I received no reply, but Mr. May referred to it in a letter to Colonel Kane, which he requested him to inform me of, and said, I am solely governed by public considerations, as I ought to be, and of such a nature that, being founded on my own sense of duty, Howard can neither release me from them, nor can blank wish me to yield them up for any consideration personal to him or myself. I immediately wrote again to Mr. May, Fort Warren, February ninth, 1862. My dear sir, Colonel Kane has just shown me a letter in which, referring to the note I addressed you some time since, you say that you are actuated by public considerations, founded on your own sense of duty, from which I cannot release you. I am somewhat surprised that you should have so far misapprehended the tenor of my note. You will recollect that I simply expressed the wish that, in discharging what I conceive to be your duty, you should not be influenced by the fear that the consequences of your action might be visited on us. So far from assuming to release you from any obligations your sense of duty imposed on you, I merely desired to free you from those personal considerations which I heard had, up to that time, prevented you from discharging a public duty most thoroughly. We did differ perhaps about the nature of the public duty which, in this crisis, has devolved upon you, and the manner in which it should be met. If I had thought we could have so differed, I would probably have refrained from referring to the subject. 
but i did suppose considering your own late experiences and our position and the relations existing between you and us that but one path was open to you i did imagine that we would agree upon the proposition that it became marylanders to resist and denounce the despotism established among us rather than wait until the evil might correct itself or be overthrown by others i am therefore for the first time apprised of my error and thus hasten to explain it permit me also to say that as i did not expect any immediate personal advantage to accrue to me from the course i hoped our representatives would pursue in congress i was animated by no such considerations when i wrote to you on the contrary i thought it possible that such efforts to vindicate our rights might redound to our disadvantage but i preferred to see the liberties and honor of my state boldly vindicated even if i paid the penalty these are still my views and time will i am confident confirm their propriety and justice i remain very respectfully yours f k howard honorable henry may washington d c between the dates of the foregoing letters I wrote also to Senator Pierce of Maryland. Fort Warren, January 24, 1862. Dear Sir, As one of the representatives of Maryland in the United States Senate, I take the liberty of calling your attention to the fact that I, with other of my fellow citizens, am still a prisoner in Fort Warren, Boston Harbor. You are probably familiar, as is the whole civilized world, with the circumstances under which so many gentlemen of our state have been dragged from their homes and imprisoned by order of the general government. It may not be amiss, however, to refer to the manner and causes of my arrest and detention. A little after midnight, on the 12th of September last, I was seized in my own house by a band of armed men, who professed to be acting under the orders of Mr. William H. Seward, but who showed no warrant whatever for their proceedings. The indignities to which I was subjected, and the painful scenes consequent upon that outrage, I need not detail to you. Suffice it to say that my house was searched from garret to cellar, my private papers were examined and carried off, and I was sent to Fort McHenry. From that place I was transferred successively to Fortress Monroe, Fort Lafayette, and Fort Warren, and at each of these posts I have been kept a close prisoner and have received the treatment of a common prisoner of war. It is proper that I should say to you that I have not in any way whatever violated any law, state, or federal. I was one of the editors of the Daily Exchange, and expressed, through the columns of that journal, opinions at variance with those entertained by the administration. I opposed the war upon the South, and this I had an indisputable right to do, I argued that it would only render the separation of the two sections more certain, that it would leave us burthened with a fearful debt, and that it would demoralize both government and people, and lead us insensibly towards a despotism or anarchy. These views also I had a right to entertain and utter. Such is the sum total of my offenses, and for such cause I have been held a close prisoner for more than four months under an arbitrary order of a member of the cabinet. My business is in all probability ruined, and I leave you to conjecture what distress my family has suffered. In this matter my rights and the liberties of my native state have been alike contemptuously violated. 
Now it seems to me, sir, that a representative of Maryland has but one clear line of duty to pursue, and that is, to denounce persistently and boldly the usurpations of the executive. I am aware of the fact that you have more than once expressed your views upon this subject on the floor of the Senate, but it has been when the topic was started by other senators. Our representatives have only played subordinate parts, in debates which others initiated and chiefly sustained. I am not aware that you or your colleagues have challenged the attention of the country to the wrongs done us, or have made any public or detailed statements in regard to individual cases here, of which there are many well calculated to arrest the attention and awaken the indignation of the people. Such a course might not, it is true, be productive of practical results to us, but it is, if you will permit me to say so, the path which I think it becomes those public men to follow who have been educated as, and are worthy of the name, of American freemen. Whatever might happen to individuals, the principles which underlie our government would thus be vindicated, and they can be manfully vindicated, at present, in no other way. I have written to you more plainly than you may perhaps think warrantable, but I feel that I need offer no apology for so doing. I have been subjected to personal outrage and political degradation. You are a representative of Maryland and have a high, and it may be a dangerous, duty to discharge. For as a citizen of that state, I have a right to ask that you should even jeopard your liberty in defense of mine, and that you should uphold, even though it be in unavailing struggle, the honor of our state. This I do, and trust that in dealing thus frankly with this question, I have not uttered anything that is otherwise than personally respectful to you. If so, I have done violence to my own feelings and intentions, but I have too much at stake to hesitate to speak with perfect candor. I remain, very respectfully, your obedient servant, F. K. Howard. Honorable James A. Pierce, U.S. Senate, Washington, D.C. Receiving no answer, I again wrote to Mr. Pierce. Fort Warren, February 27, 1862. Dear Sir, On the 24th Ultimo, I addressed you a letter from this place, but as the regulations of the post office are somewhat stringent in these days, I am in doubt as to whether my letter ever reached you. Will you be good enough to let me know whether you received it? I do not write to solicit a reply to its contents, but only to get the information I have herein requested. Respectfully yours, F.K. Howard. Honorable James A. Pierce, Washington, D.C. About a week afterwards I received this answer from Mr. Pierce. Senate, 5th March, 1862. Dear Sir, I acknowledge the receipt of your letter of the 27th February, and of the former one to which you allude. That letter I did not answer for more reasons than one. An indisposition, from which I have long suffered, makes writing difficult and painful to me, and as I was engaged in earnest efforts to procure the release of yourself and other gentlemen, illegally and unjustly detained, as I think, I thought it best not to write till I could communicate fully. There was another reason. You seem to think that, though I had on several occasions expressed my opinions freely as to these arrests, and had strongly condemned them, 
there was something else that I ought to have done, but had omitted to do. What this was you did not say, but you intimated that it was a high and might be a dangerous duty. What that duty was I could only infer from your remark, that what I had said in this senate was but incidental only. Any direct proposition submitted by me would not, I think, be dangerous to me, and were it so, I trust I should not be deterred from the discharge of a duty by fear of consequences to myself. But I am satisfied that no benefit to you, and two gentlemen alike unjustly confined, as I think, can be secured by movements made by me in the Senate. There is therefore a disposition on the part of the administration to relax these rigors towards all so situated. But at this time I feel that I can neither benefit those I wish to serve, or promote sound doctrine on this subject, by any proceedings of mine. Mr. Trumbull's resolution was sent to the committee on the judiciary to be there entombed, and I doubt whether any resolution by me would be allowed to be discussed. But I shall watch for any opportunity of changed feelings or altered circumstances, which will afford the least promise of doing anything useful in this respect. Mr. Brown has been kept in confinement, I am sure, for fear that his release would complicate the police question in Baltimore. Most of the gentlemen with you I know and esteem highly. They have my warmest sympathies, nor would I hesitate to pursue any practicable plan which promised to secure their release. Very respectfully and truly yours, J. A. Pierce. F. K. Howard, Esquire. I have reproduced these letters simply to illustrate fully our views. They will show how anxious we were that the great principles, which we were endeavouring to uphold, at such a cost to us, should be vindicated by those whose position enabled them to command, at least for a moment, the attention of the country. The gentlemen whom I had thus addressed thought a different course best and wisest. But, however that may be, their decision was certainly deeply regretted by all the political prisoners from Maryland and Fort Warren. In the early part of February we learned, through the newspapers, that we had been transferred from the custody of the State Department to that of the War Department. Very soon afterwards a lengthy proclamation signed by Mr. Stanton appeared in the newspapers. It was dated February 14, 1862, and was entitled, Executive Order in Relation to State Prisoners, Number 1. This order contained a summary of Mr. Stanton's views and opinions upon the revolution of the southern states, its course and probable results, and upon the action of the federal government, and concluded thus. The insurrection is believed to have culminated and to be declining. The president, in view of these facts, and anxious to favor a return to the normal course of the administration, as far as a regard for the public welfare will allow, directs that all political prisoners, or state prisoners, now held in military custody, be released on their subscribing a parole, engaging them to render no aid or comfort to enemies in hostility to the United States. The Secretary of War will, however, in his discretion, accept from the effects of this order any persons detained as spies in the service of the insurgents, or others whose release at the present moment may be deemed incompatible with the public safety. To all persons who shall be so released, and shall keep their parole, the President grants an amnesty for any past offenses of treason 
or disloyalty which they may have committed. Extraordinary arrests will hereafter be made under the direction of the military authorities alone. By order of the President, Edwin M. Stanton, Secretary of War. Shortly afterwards, the following order was also promulgated by the Secretary of War. Official. Executive Order Number 2, in relation to the state prisoners. War Department, Washington City, February 27, 1862. It is ordered, first, that a special commission of two persons, one of military rank and the other in civil life, be appointed to examine the cases of the state prisoners remaining in the military custody of the United States, and to determine whether, in view of the public safety and the existing rebellion, they should be discharged, or remain in military custody, or be remitted to the civil tribunals for trial. Second, that Major General John A. Dix, commanding in Baltimore, and the Honorable Edwards Pierpont of New York, be, and they are hereby appointed, commissioners for the purposes above mentioned, and they are authorized to examine, hear, and determine the cases aforesaid, ex parte, and in a summary manner at such times and places, as in their discretion they may appoint, and make full report to the War Department. By order of the President, Edwin M. Stanton, Secretary of War. After the proclamation of February 14th was issued, Colonel Dimmick was authorized to release a number of persons upon their signing a parole, not to give aid or comfort to the enemies in hostility to the United States. And some weeks after the appointment of Mr. Stanton's commission, orders were received for the release of other parties upon the same conditions. A number still refused to accept the proffered terms. Two of them, Messrs. William M. Gashel and William G. Harrison, gave their reasons for so refusing, in the following letters to Mr. Stanton. Fort Warren, February 22, 1862. Honorable E. M. Stanton, Secretary of War. Sir, I have been arrested and imprisoned for nearly eight months, in violation of the Constitution and laws of the United States, having never committed any offense against either. I am not in any legitimate sense the subject of an amnesty, that, as I have always understood, is an offer of pardon by the offended to the offending party. The proclamation and the parole are to be taken together, and they reverse the order of things. I cannot consent to any terms which even seem to justify the action of the government towards me, or will place me in any different condition from all other free citizens. Your obedient servant, William H. Gatchell. Fort Warren, February 22nd, 1862. Honorable Edwin M. Stanton, Secretary of War. Sir, as a member of the legislature of Maryland, I was taken from my dwelling-house at midnight on the 12th of September last by the military police of the city of Baltimore, and have since been incarcerated in several prisons, and now nearly four months in this one, Fort Warren. I was told my arrest was by orders from Washington. I refuse any release, except an unconditional one, because I will not seem even to acquiesce in an act which has violated one of the most sacred bonds of our government, vide Article Fourth, Amendments to the Constitution.
I have been arrested in defiance of law, punished, without charge of crime, or trial, and judgment of my peers, and I will not sanction the insinuation which such a parole affords, that any charge has been made or proved, warranting what has been done. Respectfully, W. G. Harrison As I saw, from the proclamation and order of the new Secretary of War, that he intended to deal with us arbitrarily, instead of justly, I did not think it necessary to await propositions which I could not accept, and which might not even be offered to me. I had never made any statement of my wrongs, nor had I individually forwarded any remonstrance against my arrest to the government, and I therefore took that occasion to put my case upon the records of the department, and sent this letter to Mr. Stanton. Fort Warren, Massachusetts, March 3, 1862 Honorable Edwin M. Stanton, Secretary of War Sir, for six months past I have been detained in close custody in one or other of the forts of the United States. I am, I believe, termed in the novel language of the day a political prisoner, or prisoner of state. Until recently I have been held subject to the order of the Secretary of State, but I now understand that I am specifically in charge of the War Department. You, therefore, are responsible for my further detention. Under these circumstances it is proper that I should place upon record in your office a statement of the wrongs done me, and a demand for an instant and unconditional release. On the night of the 12th of September, 1861, between twelve and one o'clock, I was made a prisoner in my own house, in Baltimore, by a band of armed men, who, although they showed no warrant or authority for their proceedings, professed, and I have no doubt truly, to be acting under the orders of Mr. Seward, the Secretary of State. My house was searched from garret to cellar, my private papers ransacked, and most of them, as far as I can learn, were carried off. I was kept for an hour or more a prisoner in my own parlor, armed men being stationed throughout my house, and even at the door of my children's chamber, while the search was proceeding. I will not comment further upon the indignities then put upon me. I was finally carried off to Fort McHenry, leaving my house in possession of the Myrmidons who had invaded it, and who refused to allow me to send for my wife's father or brother, who were in the immediate neighborhood and to whom alone my family, at such a moment, could look for protection. I was detained at Fort McHenry during the following day, and then transferred to Fortress Monroe. At this latter post I was confined a close prisoner, with fourteen other gentlemen, for ten days, none of us having been suffered to leave for an instant, the two casements which were there assigned to us. So rigid was our imprisonment, that the very windows and doors, through which we could look out onto the parade grounds, were closed and padlocked. I was then carried with my companions to Fort Lafayette. At this latter post no provision whatever had been made for our reception, and no decent accommodations were at any time provided. I slept in the dark, cold gun battery, in which I was quartered upon a bag of straw until I procured bedding from New York and during my whole stay I was compelled to pay for my meals, as I could not have eaten the wretched rations offered me by the commanding officer. On the first of November last I was brought to this place on an overcrowded and filthy steamer, which was insufficiently supplied, 
even with the miserable pork and bread, provided for our subsistence. But for the fact that I had brought my bedding with me, I should have been forced, like many of my companions, to sleep for two weeks after my arrival here, upon the bare floor, and without a single blanket to cover me. Such is a brief statement of the treatment to which I have been subjected. From the moment of my arrest down to this hour, no charge of any sort has been preferred against me, and none can be alleged or established, for I have not violated any law whatever, state or federal. I was, as you may perhaps be aware, one of the editors of the Daily Exchange, a morning journal published in Baltimore. In that paper I had expressed my political opinions without reserve. I had, a year ago, advocated the adoption of some compromise by Congress, which should stay the then-threatened rupture between the North and South. I had subsequently deprecated any attempts to coerce the South, on the ground that it would only render the separation of the two sections inevitable and final. I asserted that war would leave the country in a worse condition than it found it, and as it would entail upon us an enormous debt, I felt it to be my duty to resist, and I did resist its initiation. I was unable to see how the Union could be preserved if a large majority of the Southern people were bent upon a separation, and I said so. I was unable to comprehend how the President could, from the injunction which commanded him to see that the laws were faithfully executed, derive authority to supersede and violate the fundamental laws of the land, and I said so. I was equally unable to see how, upon the theory of upholding the Constitution, I was under an obligation to support those who were daily manifesting their contempt for all its provisions. Nor could I conceive how this government had any existence whatever outside of the charter which established it. All these political opinions I had the absolute right to entertain and promulgate. I choose to refer to them here, because they constitute the offenses for which I am undergoing punishment. Notwithstanding the fact that many thousands of persons in the northern states had entertained and expressed these views within a twelve-month, the administration determined that it was criminal in me to continue to hold and utter them, and has, therefore, arbitrarily inflicted upon me the indignities and wrongs which I have mentioned. Although no direct offer has been made to me to release me upon any terms whatever, I nevertheless presume that mine was one of the cases which either your proclamation of February 14th or your order of February 27th was intended to cover. Now, as I cannot accept a conditional discharge, coupled with a gracious amnesty for offenses which it is assumed I have committed, and as I must equally refuse to appear at the bar of an irresponsible tribunal, to justify my right to the ordinary privileges of a citizen of Maryland. It is due to myself, at least, that I should state the reasons which impel me to the course I shall pursue. To the principles which govern my action, now I shall appeal, when in the future I seek redress, and enter upon my own vindication. It must be obvious to you, sir, that I cannot, consistently with my own self-respect, accept any such conditional release as is referred to in your proclamation, or avail myself of any such amnesty. As I was despotically deprived of my freedom, I can make no compromise to regain it. 
as I am punished merely for venturing to dissent from the theories and policy of the administration, I need and will ask no pardon. Nor, even if I should accept the terms mentioned, would I have any security that I would not, immediately after my release, be again subjected to precisely similar outrages to those which have already been inflicted upon me. As the administration has once determined that I, by expressing my political sentiments, was giving aid and comfort to the enemies in hostility to the United States, I could only escape a rearrest by consenting to forego or conceal my opinions. This I will never, for one instant, do. I deem it to be my bound duty to defend, to the last, every privilege and right to which, as an American citizen, I was born and I shall do so until I am deprived of these, by some known and fair process of law. Nor can you fail readily to comprehend why I decline to submit myself to the jurisdiction of the strange tribunal, which is organized under your order of February 27th. I recognize no such judges of my guilt or innocence, of my loyalty or disloyalty, under the Constitution or laws of this land. The courts, both state and federal, are in the unobstructed exercise of their several functions in Maryland, and they could long since have examined and disposed of any charges which might have been preferred against me. In them, and in them only, I will meet any accusation, and while they are closed to my demand for justice, I shall decline to defend myself before any star-chamber commissioners, whomsoever." Such, sir, are the motives of my present action, and as the rights which I seek to uphold are not dependent on the alleged necessities of the administration, or upon the fate of battles, my convictions can not be affected by the supposed exigencies of the one, or the results of the other. I shall continue then to vindicate them, as I best may, with the consciousness that, after the delusions, the falsehoods, and the passions of the hour, shall have passed away, my course will be approved by every honest man who has been educated in the knowledge of the privileges and duties of an American freeman. I have only now to demand at your hands a prompt release from the imprisonment to which I am so unjustly and arbitrarily subjected. I remain your obedient servant, F. K. Howard. End of section 7 Recording by Katie Riley, September 2010.